0: Praise the Lord. Welcome everyone. Such an honour to be here again tonight and I thank Pastor Hoffman for this opportunity to minister to you. Always count it a privilege and an honour to be here with my very good friends, brother and sister Hoffman, who have been a, a strong support for me over the years. Amen. I love them very much. Before I get into the word tonight, I wanted to share a quick word that I shared with Brother Hoffman when I first arrived uh, in the midst of the campaign that you're going through at the moment. Um, The day before I left on the Monday, I had a lady call me and her number came up, uh, no caller ID, that's what we call it. And so I answered it and she said, hi Gina, this is so-and-so and... and, uh, I'm not coming back to church. So, you know, she said, I'm not calling you because I want to come back to church. She said, but uh, I've come into some money and I felt the Lord impress upon me to give some because you've been so kind to me in the past to give $5,000 to the church. I said, oh, thank you. And then she said, does the church have any needs or projects at the moment? I said, well, we are always in projects. You know, we give to the South Pacific, suffers a lot of tsunamis and floods, and we're always giving money there. We've we've helped build churches in Philippines and Fiji. I said, in fact, our our board just approved giving $20,000 to building some buildings in Fiji for one of the churches there. And... I said, we were going to apply to the church, you give what you want, and then we will top it up to 20000 And she said, well, okay. She said, then I'll give 10000 to that. She said, the money will be in the account this afternoon. I said, well, thank you, praise God. So I hung up, and then within a couple of hours, our treasurer called me, and she said, Gina, do you know who gave $10,000? I said, yeah, I already know about that. But we emailed our board and we said, how faithful is God that when we are willing to take a step out in faith, he says, I'll come and meet that need as well. I'm going to help you. So it was just such a blessing to out of nowhere. She doesn't even come to our church anymore. She said, well, I just want to give the church some money. So we'll take it. We'll take it. (laughs) God is good. Amen. Amen. Let's turn in our Bibles to First Thessalonians five twenty-three. Just one verse of scripture. And it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the New Living Translation, it says, May the God of peace set you apart for himself. May every part of you be set apart for God. May your spirit and your soul and your body be complete. As I'm a regular listener to your services, I'm aware that you know, you're not having life groups at the moment and teaching is on a Wednesday night. So as much as I would like to preach Hellfire and Brimstone... I'm going to teach tonight. Well, maybe a little bit of preaching. I Pre- know, oh, what do they call it? Treaching. Amen. But I've entitled my thoughts this morning or tonight emotionally healthy, that each one of us need to be emotionally healthy, to walk with the Lord in, a vi- in victory. Amen. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We, oh God, I ask you to anoint my lips of clay, bring revelation to your people, Lord, we ask. Have your way tonight, oh God. Jesus, we're asking you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So as I said, I'm going to be teaching on being emotionally healthy. Now before all of you men tap out because you believe that you are not emotional, think about how would you react or would react if the Detroit Lions won the Super Bowl. (laughs) <laughs> you would not sit there in front of you in TV and say, well, that was great. No, you'd be like my son-in-law who's American and goes for the Kansas Chiefs. Is that right? Whoever the Chiefs are. And he's jumping up and down and yes, yes, yes. That's emotion. Or tell me that you wouldn't get emotional if you hit a hole in one on the Shepherds Hollow golf course you would definitely be emotional. Or when your wife throws out your 20-year-old T-shirt. <laughs> men have emotions. They don't like to admit they do, but I know women do show their emotions a lot easier than men. God created both male and female with emotions, and as it says in First Thessalonians 5, God desires us to be healthy in our soul, spirit, and body. To be emotionally healthy, you need to pay attention to all aspects of you. Emotional instability can occur in anyone's life. Yes. Two of the main areas that instability happens is when something occurs that we cannot control or are unable to stop or fix, like the pandemic. Yes. Right. Or when a significant loss occurs, example the death of a close loved one or of a, of a job that is when we feel this emotional instability. Grief is not an emotion that we only feel when someone dies. Grief occurs when we lose a job, lose a friendship, loss of wealth, going to retirement. Basically, any major change in our life needs to have a process of grief. The process of grief is important to help us get back to emotional stability. I've counselled with people whose loved one may have died 10 years ago, but the emotion of their loved one passing is raw today as it was 10 years ago, and that's because they've not allowed themselves to go through the process of grief. In the case of losing uh, a loved one, it's important to understand you will never stop missing them or loving them. But you will learn to do life without them being physically in your day-to-day life. As I've been staying with the Hoffmans, I've been speaking with Sister Esther and doing different things with her. And she will randomly tell stories about elder brother Hoffman. And I love that. And as I said, I listen to your, to your uh, services all the time and I hear Brother Hoffman mention his dad many times in his sermons. That is the process of grief. That is learning to live life uh, without them physically being there. But that doesn't mean that they don't have an impact or value in our life yet. But the process of grief for us to be able to live life must occur. Grief is a whole subject, and I love—I know it's weird, but I love speaking. When I was doing my degree, I did a whole whole semester on grief and loss. How depressing! But it was really good. <laughs> what have I what I've experienced with many people over the past two years is because of the uncontrollable nature of the virus and the uncertainty when it comes to the government, especially the Australian government and what restrictions and changes they place on their people. And the fear of the unknown, what's going to happen in the future. This has caused emotional instability in many people. So even though we cannot control the virus and don't know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow, emotional wellness is still possible. One perspective, our perspective of what is normal And what is considered emotionally well is determined by our family of origin, our childhood and the life experiences we've had. Sadly, there seems to be an underlying belief that as an apostolic Christian, if I have times in my life when I have or am struggling with anxiety or depression or fear, that it means that I'm backsliding, not trusting God enough not praying enough or that there is sin in my life. Things like anxiety, depression or fear are real and to easily dismiss them as something you can get over by praying more, trusting God more or working harder in the kingdom of God is insensitive and it only produces more guilt and confusion in those who are experiencing those things. And I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not saying that prayer and fasting and reading your Bible and claiming God's promises, working and serving in the kingdom have no value when we experience these types of things. Yet how does a person respond when they pray and declare the promises of God, but the anxiety or the depression or fear are still there? The enemy has a field day with our thoughts. I don't have enough faith. God doesn't love me enough to heal me. This is my new normal forever. But we understand that they are lies from the enemy. Amen. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful and omniscient, all-knowing, and most of the time we don't understand His ways or thoughts. His love for you and I never changes. First Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your care upon Him. Why? Because he cares for you. We all have cares. And that's typical because we are all human. Isaiah 63 says he is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. That tells me when I hurt, God hurts with me. But we have an enemy of our soul that wants to destroy us and separate us from the Lord and his love. So, especially when I'm feeling anxious, depressed, or fearful, that is when the enemy comes in like a flood. So, what do I do? Our spiritual disciplines are vital to maintain our relationship with the Lord and maintain our emotional stability. We may not feel like praying, we may not feel like reading our Bible or attending church services. But despite where our emotions are, which we know we walk by faith and not by sight, practising these disciplines will cultivate consistency and routine, which routine is a great balancer in our life when we're feeling emotionally unstable. And connecting with others, it helps to alleviate the I am all alone lie that we are told. Our mind is where the battle is fought and will determine whether we walk in victory or walk in defeat. You can walk in victory if you want to walk in victory. That is up to you and I because God has already given us the victory. But it's what I think, what I allow myself to dwell on and what I believe as truth will help me whether I'm going to walk in truth, in victory or in defeat. What we allow our mind to dwell on, what we accept as truth in our minds and what we feed our minds determines our daily walk. Proverbs 23, 7 is what a man thinks he is in his heart. Casting, 2 Corinthians 10:5 5 says, Casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. No one can arrest your thinking, only you can. I cannot get physically into your mind and shift your thinking. No one can. A common occurrence when we are experiencing anxiety or depression or fear is that our thinking focuses on thoughts that don't align with what is truth. Then because of what we are feeling, our behaviour reinforces those thoughts And then it becomes a vicious cycle. That's why casting down imaginations and everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. That's why it's so important that I need to know what the Bible says. That I'm able to question or challenge things or thoughts that come into my mind. Whether they are from God or they are from the enemy. But I don't have that ability if I don't know the word of God. Amen. The book of Romans helps us in many areas in our day-to-day spiritual walk. And this is what the Apostle Paul said in chapter 7 in verse 21. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Even the great Apostle Paul, the one who rose the dead, who who did so many miracles, he struggled at times in his life. God's word will at times not agree with and will challenge our thinking of what we believe is truth. It tells us in Hebrews 4.12 that the Word of God is alive, it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It has the power to change our thinking. Amen. We have to have the sword, we have to have the Word of God in our mind. It has to change our thinking. Hallelujah. Each one of us has an inner battle. Just because I'm feeling anxious or fearful at the moment does not mean that I have lost my faith. As the Apostle said, I love the Word of God, but right now my actions and my thoughts aren't necessarily reflecting that. The fundamental foundation of becoming a Christian is that we are aware and acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a Saviour. Once we are born again, that is the beginning of our journey to wholeness. It sometimes means realigning our thinking and challenging our beliefs. Something that I say quite regularly is that God cannot fix something that we don't acknowledge is broken. Being aware of where we are at emotionally, spiritually and even physically is a great starting point. When we lack in self-awareness, this can bring frustration and lead to having unhealthy relationships with God and with others. I need to be aware of what that sin that so easily besets me is. I need to be aware of my thought patterns and recognise when a certain thought is going to lead me down a path of anxiousness or fear. Here is a truth and that is a reality and will never change. A truth that you and I as Christians must acknowledge, must embrace, and must live if we are to be emotional well-being. I am a child of God. I am loved unconditionally by God. We've got to believe that. And unfortunately, even some Christians struggle with that. They struggle to believe that God loves them unconditionally. God knows the end from the beginning and nothing occurs that he doesn't know about and beyond that, that he is not allowed. As much as I don't like it, God allowed the pandemic to hit our world. Despite me not liking it, I have peace because I know who is in control. He's got this. I may have had to remind myself of that over the last two years, especially during last year when we were in 16 solid weeks of lockdown where the only place we could go out to was either to the doctor, the chemist or the grocery store. I kept reminding myself, God, you knew this was going to happen. I still have peace because I know that you are in control if we can settle that truth in our minds that we are a child of God and that we are loved unconditionally by Him and if we live it, when we experience things like anxiety, depression or fear, the truth that I'm a child of God and that He loves me unconditionally will sustain me despite where my emotions are. It will be an anchor for me Think about the anchors that are tied to ships. Having an anchor doesn't mean the ship doesn't get tossed in the wind or the waves. But the purpose of the anchor is to keep the ship safe and secure at a desired location or to help the ship be controlled in the bad weather. A flimsy anchor will not hold when a storm hits, but a solid, strong anchor is able to keep a mighty large ship from destruction. And listen to what it says in Hebrews 6.18. I'm using the Amplified Bible to give more clarity. So that by two unchangeable things, his promise, what is his promise? That he that has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What is his promise? That he will never leave you nor forsake you. And his oath, In which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to Him for refuge would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope set before us. This hope, this confident assurance, we have as an anchor of the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. A safe and steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the holy temple, the most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells. When our mind believes this truth, our behavior and our actions will reflect it you and I have an anchor. Amen. Regardless of where my emotions are, what's happening around me, I have an anchor of my soul that is going to keep me founded. It's going to keep me solid. Amen. Hallelujah. That Despite the fear that surrounds me right now, my anchor holds. That despite the anxiety I'm feeling right now, my anchor holds. God is still there. That I may, I may not feel him. I may have sweaty palms and a palpitating heart. But the truth of God's love and nearness is still true. The Bible says that when King David was feeling discouraged and fearful, the Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord and you and I can do the same. There is power in your words. Speak to yourself. Reassure yourself. God is for me. God is with me. He watches over me. I am not alone. They are uh, things that you can say. The words, death and life are in the power of your tongue. So think about what the words that you have used today. Have you spoken life into your life or you've spoken death or cursing? Think about the words that you've spoken. God is for me, God is for me. I may not feel it, but God is for me. The Word of God says, God is for me. God will never leave me nor forsake me, regardless of what I'm feeling right now. The Word of God is still an anchor in my soul. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Emotional wellness needs to be founded on who we are in Christ, our identity in him. Emotional instability can occur when we are overcome with shame or guilt. And it's important to understand the difference between shame and guilt. And here is a simple way to recognise which one you are experiencing. Shame says, I am bad. Guilt or conviction says, I did a bad thing. Notice the difference. And this is just a side note for parents, or you parents out there with little kids. When your child does something that they shouldn't have, it's important not to call them a bad boy or a bad girl. What they did was bad, and they need correction or punishment, depending on what it is. But don't allow the developing identity become based around, I am bad. We cannot allow who we are to be based or built around whether we are good or bad. My identity needs to be founded on what God thinks of me and the value that he puts on me. Here is a good way to recognise where your identity is at at the moment. And I hope you'll do this exercise. So if you take notes, please do this. It is something that I ask people who struggle with their identity in Christ, who have never been taught about their identity in Christ, to do. Ask yourself, it's a rhetorical question so you don't have to answer now. But what does God think of me? What does God think of me? So you write down the first thoughts that come to you. Then read your response. Does it align with the word of God? And who God says you are? Then if not, I encourage you to take the time to discover what God's thoughts are towards you and renew your mind with those Bible verses about his great love, unconditional love for you. And that he will never leave you nor forsake you. That he values you. That he knew you before you were even born. Jesus took our shame on the cross. So any time you feel shame, that is not from God. God will convict you. He will not shame you. Learn the difference. Because if you learn the difference, you will recognize the source of where it's coming from. Hear me tonight. Don't own something that is not yours to own. Bible says to put on Christ. Don't put on shame. God convicts. He never shames us. He took our shame. He became shame for us. It was like David putting on Saul's armour. He couldn't; it didn't fit, and it made him useless to do anything. If he had gone out out to battle with Goliath, he definitely would have prevented him from fulfilling God's purpose for him at that moment. The reason Jesus took our shame is so you don't have to live under that anymore. Shame will cripple you into inaction. Shame will say, "I am not good enough to do this." Shame will say, "I can't pray that prayer." because I've done this wrong, or I've done that, or I've shamed myself into this. No. God says, I'm, I took your shame. I will convict you, and I will ask you to repent, but I will never shame you. Amen. Hallelujah. When you repent and baptize in Jesus' name, he takes your shame. Amen. So if you are here tonight and I'm thankful that there are baptisms tonight, those people that are gonna be baptised tonight, Jesus is gonna remove your sin. He's gonna remove your shame. He's gonna set you free. And if you are here and you haven't been baptised and you have a load on your shoulder of shame, then Jesus can take that from you in one step by you repenting and being baptised in that baptistry. All shame is gone. You are free in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Unforgiveness can bring emotional instability in our lives. And that's something that people don't like to be preached about, Brother Hoffman. When we are harboring unforgiveness towards someone, we see everything that that other people do to us through that veil. So when I'm harboring unforgiveness, whatever you say to me or do to me, I I receive it through the veil of unforgiveness. When we have unforgiveness towards someone, fear has an opening into our lives. Fear of that person hurting us again Fear of others hurting us. This creates emotional instability. Here is an acronym worth remembering about fear. Fear stands for false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. I'm not talking about the fear we feel when we're about to get hit with a truck or fall off a cliff. But this is fear that has no foundation that the enemy lies to us about. Apart from it being a command in the word of God to forgive, unforgiveness will bring emotional instability into our life. Forgiving another does not mean that they acknowledge they've done wrong, that they apologise or they make restitution. There is a difference between forgiving and trust. I've had people say to me that they must not have forgiven a person because they still don't trust them. Just because you forgive someone does not mean that you have to trust them. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it is a command. Trust is not a feeling, but rather trust is earned. Trust takes time. That is the difference. A preacher that I listen to regularly said this once. Unforgiveness empowers our history at the expense of our destiny. Unforgiveness will hold you bound to what happened yesterday, so then you cannot live in today. People who are emotionally well have boundaries and respect the boundaries of others. What are boundaries? Boundaries are anything that help to differentiate you from me or from someone else. In the physical realm, boundaries are easy to see. Fences, signs, walls, hedges, even moats with crocodiles are physical boundaries. As humans, we need to have boundaries. Boundaries to find what is me and what is not me. We are encouraged in Proverbs 4.23 to guard our heart with all diligence. Boundaries help us to guard our heart of what is good and what should be let in and what should not be let in. I need you to understand that boundaries are not walls. If you were affected as a child and have not dealt with that uh, hurt or abuse, then you probably have a poor sense of boundary. This is because when you were young, you were taught that your property didn't begin at your skin. Many times in this circumstance, the bad is kept in and the good out. This is because we end up building walls in our lives rather than fences with gates. In the spiritual realm, boundaries are invisible. The way to create good boundaries is with your words. The most basic boundary word is no. That's it. This lets others know that you exist apart from them and that you are in control of you. Unfortunately, as humans, our sinful nature causes us to be self-centred. People can put demands and guilt upon you, and unless you have boundaries, they will walk all over you and manipulate you, and you will give in to their requests. What happens is that you comply outwardly, but inwardly you begin to resent the person. I remember the story of a young child in the classroom and his his teacher told him he was standing up. She said, sit down. He said, no. She said, sit down. He said, no. Eventually, he sat down but he said to her, I'm sitting on the outside but I'm standing on the inside. Our words let people know where we stand and this gives them a sense of edge to help identify you. I want to take the example of gossiping, which I'm pretty sure would never happen in this wonderful church, but let's go there anyway. (laughs) If you've made a personal boundary that you will not listen or take part in gossip, then those around you will soon know. They may try and penetrate that boundary but the only way they can, they can is if you let them. If they know that you're not going to listen to gossip, they're going to go to someone they know that will. So we set the boundary. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to be involved in that. It's important to know God and his truth. This will show you what God's boundaries are and how he operates. To be in touch with God's truth is to be in touch with reality because that is the only truth that is truth, is God's truth. There are many people that say my truth is truth. I have my own truth. But if you come down to the basics, the only truth that is truth in this world is God's truth. And that is the truth that we can base our life on. That is the truth that we can base our reality on. I hate all this cancel culture stuff. They're trying to erase truth. It's like, you know, these famous people, they want to pull their statues down or say that this didn't happen. To me, that's, that's ridiculous. You cannot change truth. And that is with God's truth. We have to base it on God's truth. Anything that I do, anything I believe has to be based on God's truth. Hallelujah. Satan distorts truth. Recognize that. We see that all through God's word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to take responsibility for our choices. This leads to self-control. The Bible tells us in Galatians that temperance or self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Nowhere in the Bible does it encourage us to have others' control. Ever heard that one? Having boundaries prevents us from going down the path of others' control. When we can't control ourselves, we revert to trying to control others to compensate for our lack of control. Controllers are undisciplined people. I'm sorry if you are a controller and I'm not looking at anybody and please keep your eyes down and do not look at the person sitting next to you. But they are usually undisciplined people. Setting limits on others and ourselves are important for boundaries. Boundaries are set in our thinking and it involves owning our thoughts this means not just going along with other what others think. It means growing in knowledge and expanding our minds. The most important way is through the knowledge of spending time with God and his word. And thirdly, clarifying distorted thinking. This is because as humans we tend to see things clearly, not to see things clearly, but we think and perceive things through our carnal nature. Boundaries entail having a sense of self. This is because unless we know who I am and define myself, my boundaries will be weak. The Bible says that God can do exceedingly above, abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to what? The power that works within us. What is that power? Whose power is it? Amen, it's the Holy Ghost. It's not our soulish power or the power power of God is the one that determines what we want, what we desire. It, It needs to come from the Word of God. You don't inherit boundaries. They are built. They are taught. Parents teach your children to build boundaries. They are an important component of being emotionally healthy. Another aspect of emotional wellness is living with an attitude of gratitude, being thankful. You may say, well, not much to be thankful for what's going on around my life at the moment. Not sure what I have to be thankful for. Well, let me help you. Thankful that you woke up this morning everyone did because none of you you're all breathing and none of you are lying on the floor thankful that you had a bed to sleep in last night thankful that you have food to eat a car to drive a job to go to you own a bible you are able to freely worship and pray a sound mind legs at work hands at work eyes at see ears at hear So much to be thankful for. And when we are thankful, it generates emotional stability in our lives. When we are intentional about being thankful, it forces us to look beyond ourselves and to God for his goodness and others for their value in our life. Many times I go to sleep at night listening to this song over and over, Um, Goodness of God. All my life, you've been faithful. All my life, you have been good. With every breath that I am able, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. Because as I lay there, I'm thinking about what was my day today? What did I achieve? What went wrong? What went good? But despite it all, all my life, you've been faithful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are so many aspects of emotional wellness that we could discuss tonight, but before I give you a brief overview of what has been taught, I said at the beginning that we are soul, spirit, and body. Our soul is made up of our mind, will, and emotions, which we've gone through. Our spirit is the part of us that we communicate with God, which we've also discussed. So let me briefly touch on the body side of us. I know the Bible says bodily exercise profits little. But it does profit. This is what 1 Corinthians 6 says in 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body... And in your spirit, which are God's. Glorify God in your body. That is the physical part of you. We need to take care of this temple. Amen. Not many, too many amens. Many times when people come. To me for counselling, I suggest for them to go and get a medical, physical examination done, a blood test, to rule out any physical ailment that might be contributing to how they're feeling at the moment, anxiety or depression. Not everything that happens to us is spiritual. We cannot blame the devil for everything, right? Sometimes it's our unhealthy lifestyle and eating habits our sleeping habits, our lack of bodily movement that causes issues in our physical body. And yet other times there may be a physical explanation for what we are feeling. My encouragement to you tonight is don't neglect your body. It needs taken care of. God has entrusted you with it. And this is what my bishop, Brother Slake, which... Uh, Brother Hoffman was very close to. Would say he said any time that you uh, feel down or uh, complaining about your own body, he would say go visit a hospital or walk walk through a graveyard and see the different ages of the people that are buried there. And then come back and realise and, and recognise how blessed you are and how thankful you need to be that you are still breathing, that God has given you the body that he's given you. Amen. Never take it for granted. I remember when um, an American preacher came over and, you know, um, so, I you know, as I've said before, I jog. Not that I've been doing any while well, I've been here, but and uh, most of our most of our um, leadership staff, ministerial team, are fitness people that we jog or run or go to the gym. And he said to me, "I've never met so many people in ministry that actually exercise." well for real it's important to look after this body so next time you're eating McDonald's five nights in a row think about that God what am I doing to my body what am I how am I glorifying you through this body amen So in closing, emotional wellness comes from having a balance in our physical, in our spiritual and emotional life. Communicating daily with God in prayer and his word. Being in community, in the church, we were never meant to live in isolation. Giving, taking care of our physical body, not harboring unforgiveness, knowing your identity in Christ allowing yourself time to grieve in times of loss, having self-awareness, cultivating healthy relationships, living with an attitude of gratitude, living today rather than regretting yesterday and fearing tomorrow, dealing with your issues rather than excusing them. Well, Well, that's who I am. That is just a cop-out and an easy way of not looking inside. But we want to be emotionally healthy, especially through what we've been through in the last two years. I need emotional wellness in my life. But it's, it's a, a combination of my body, my spirit and my soul. So I want to challenge you tonight To think about, and I know it's been very practical, probably not as spiritual as I like it, like to minister, but it's something that is necessary in all our lives to understand where we are at. That if you are holding unforgiveness towards someone, that you will make it right before you go to sleep tonight. That if you haven't been consistent in reading and praying, that you will start that tomorrow or tonight. That you will be thankful. Thankful for what God has done for you, what He continues to do. And that you will learn to balance your life. That you will be what this church needs is a warrior, a soldier in the kingdom of God. Each one of you make up that kingdom. That when you are emotionally healthy and well, you can help those out there. That you can help them. They'll ask you, why are you so well emotionally, despite what we're we're feeling, what we're going through? Why do you have peace? Because I know the peacemaker. I know my anchor is solid in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah.